Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at www.restorationlex.com slash this week. I know that if I showed up and someone said that, then I would start to get a knot in my stomach because there's some weird stuff out there when we start coming around like this. And I know that seems hard, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, we're all going to end up one day in that waiting room at three o'clock in the morning. We're all going to end up at the bedside of a loved one as they're taking their last breath. And, and in these moments, as hard as that is, and I've been in many of these rooms, I've been in these nursing homes, I've been in these hospital rooms, I've been in places where people have met their last breath, maybe sometimes like as a surprise, when you hit those moments in life, and we all do, sooner or later, it begins to ask of us, what do we actually believe? What is my future hope? What is, in these moments, the foundation of how I see the ultimate future of our history? And today's passage, it gives us this opportunity to sort of ask this question in reverse. And we're starting really kind of with the heart of God with the heart of God for who he is in bringing about this future, and then seeing kind of the, the ideas and the concepts of heaven and hell within the context of this. Because how we understand the heart of God, it's the clearest indicator of how we will understand heaven, hell, and judgment in conversations like that. If God is a distant, angry, vindictive, uh, just tyrant in our minds, we will interpret these ideas through that lens, which means we need to understand first the heart of God. We need to understand first the movement of the heart of God for us and towards us in our future. Revelation 21, it opens up this door of that kind of future, that kind of heart that God has for us. It reorients our attention to this greater hope that lies beyond the caricatures and all the cultural baggage that I'm sure all of us are bringing into these conversations, when we've attached these ideas and pictures and all of this to our understanding of eternity, it can get very muddy and messy and weird. And so I wanted to just begin as we jump into this passage today and pray for us in that. I know we've already prayed for it, but I want to just really ask God for clarity for us. These are important things. These are important conversations, and I don't want to walk away. I don't want to walk away with confusion. I want to walk away hearing with what the Lord is actually saying to us. Let me just pray for us here real quick. Father, we come to your word recognizing that, God, you're your word is, is living and active today because you're living and active. So you're speaking to us in real time as we open up these scriptures. And God, some of it is prophecy and symbols and things that were written 2,000 years ago, but that speaks to us today. And so Holy Spirit, as the author and the perfecter of what we see in these words, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to to hear. Would you give us wisdom that's not worldly wisdom, but wisdom that comes from above as we step into the scriptures together? We ask you that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, let's jump in. Starting verse 1, Revelation chapter 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, 
and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So, back in 1970, there was a Christian book that was released that was extremely popular. One of the most popular books in general of the entire year was a book by the name of The Late Great Planet Earth. How many people have heard of that book, The Late Great Planet Earth? It's this dispensationalist book that talks about the end of the world, and you can probably tell by the actual title what it is implying that essentially the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and God's ultimate aim is to grab us and zoom us out of here to make sure we get away from this world that is eventually just going to explode and be awful anyway. The idea, then this is probably, I would imagine for a lot of us, this is what we have come up with, is that we have this disembodied future in heaven away from an earth that is doomed for destruction. I can remember people in conversations about throwing litter out in the floors. Well, it's all going to burn up anyway. How many people have heard that before? When talking about the way we treat the earth or the way we understand these issues about, about science and about environmentalism, it's all just going to burn up. It's common ideas. Books like The Late Great Planet Earth reinforced these ideas. Books like Left Behind reinforced these ideas that we are essentially escaping a world that God is going to doom to destruction. Let's recap, though, what the gospel speaks. It says the world is a dark and sinful place. This gospel, not the gospel, this gospel says this world is this dark, sinful, irredeemable place. So Jesus is coming back, and he's going to return, and he's going to take all the Christians away, and everything else, and everyone else is just doomed to hell. Just doomed. But the truth is that that's not the story that the Bible is telling. It's just not. It goes all the way back to the very first page, Genesis 131. It's God, in the culmination of creation, says that God saw all that he made, and it was very good. God declared creation to be good. And not just good, very good. For sin, there was not death and scarcity. There was life and abundance. God gave this space to his image bearers, those who are given this perfection and peace of his presence, who are given identity and belonging and purpose. Creation was, was the original temple. It was the place in which we met God. God walked in the cool of the day, Genesis says. We were made for that world. We were made to live in a good, redeemed, physical world sin it is that brought in the death and scarcity and separation and, and, and separated us from God, brought about the corruption of sin. And yet the Bible, it doesn't really turn to the plan B in this situation by saying, already, you know, people go, go, go out and, and, and let's, let's just get saved and, and get out of this dump, okay? Let's just get out of this dump that's already broken by sin and run. That's not what we see. God's desire is to redeem and to restore all that he has declared to be good. I want to say that again. I, I hope this sticks. I hope this is anchored in you. God's desire is to redeem and restore all that he has called good. And that's good news, right? Right? 
People can talk, right? It's good news. It's really, really good news. The gospel speaks of this as our future, as how we understand the hope of the resurrection, not just as this means of saving us from sin and death, but the renewal of all creation itself. Two words I want us to hold on to today as we jump into some other scriptures. These two words are all things. Say it with me. All things. Say it. All things. Hold on to that. Matthew 19, Peter, he's asking Jesus about the hope of our salvation. Here's how Jesus responds. He says, or, or Peter's saying, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? A common question. Jesus responds, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you will have followed me, so you will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The renewal of all things. Jesus describes this as our future hope, the renewal of all things. The same Peter who Jesus is speaking this to in Acts 3, he's preaching the gospel after he heals this, this, this beggar, and he's preaching. He says, heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration, same word, the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through his holy prophets in the beginning. Do you see this pattern that is emerging within here? There's an expectation that God is up to far more than just saving people and taking them away to a disembodied heaven. There is restoration coming. It's why we named this church Restoration. This is the story we're moving towards together. But it continues. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Paul's talking about Jesus. He says, for God was pleased to have all things, all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself what? All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Again, all things. 2 Corinthians 5, he's writing here again about our gospel that we believe. He says, all this is from God who reconciling us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Are you getting this picture? This is so much bigger than just saving us to take us off somewhere else. There is a clear expectation and belief throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament, that the resurrection of Jesus accomplishes so, so much more than just our individual salvations, just taking us somewhere else. This is nothing less than the restoration of all things in Jesus. That's good news. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible continues to unfold this. 1 Corinthians 15 is talking, Paul's talking about this incredible promise about our lives in the future. And he's telling us this will be a physical, a physical future, a renewed body like Jesus. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet. For, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Paul is speaking of the restoration of all things, including the restoration of our bodies. Just as Jesus has a resurrected body, our future is promised here in the Scriptures of a resurrected reality, a physical reality, alive and reigning eternally with Jesus. Now take all of that. Take that that framework of the all things. Take the movement of the renewal of all things, the restoration of all things, the resurrection of our bodies. Now let's bring all of that back to Revelation 21 and hear that again. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This vision is showing us not a future of escaping an irredeemable earth. It is showing heaven and earth becoming one. Books like the late great planet Earth teach us that we're going to be raptured out of this dark world. But what we see in Revelation 21 is actually the reverse. One theologian has called this moment the rapture in reverse. It's heaven coming to earth. The ultimate aim of history is heaven and earth becoming one in Jesus, reconciling all things to God. Revelation 21 continues, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In the words of Paul, what we see in this is that death fully and finally has been swallowed up in victory, meaning that cancer is gone, meaning that deception and lies are gone, meaning that loneliness and sadness and depression and anxiety are gone, meaning that we, in the absence of death, in the absence of mourning and crying and pain, have found the fullness of God's presence with us, God dwelling with us. This is actually the central piece of this entire passage. Not just that everything is fixed and renewed, but that God himself chooses to live among his people, to walk with us just like in Genesis for eternity. God's eternal desire, we see in this, his heartbeat is to be with The same God that walked with us in Genesis, walks with us, works with us in this renewed physical life, on this renewed physical earth, meaning that we will eat in eternity. Amen? We will eat, and that food will not make you gain weight in eternity in Jesus' name. I can't wait to that point when I can just keep having those bags of chips and just keep having those bags of chips celebrating and celebrating and celebrating, meaning that we'll use our hands, we'll experience real life together, we'll enjoy creation as creation was was meant to be, we'll see ourselves as we truly are. And one of the things that I, I love about this promised future, I was 
thinking about this, nine years ago, my mother-in-law passed away very suddenly. And talking about the issues and, and, and her family, even in my family, of mental illness, and how often we don't think about more than just our physical bodies being healed, but our minds being healed. Our minds. And, and how it's going to be incredible to see yourself in a healed mind, just as much in a healed body, to see yourself as you really are in light of Christ with all of the depression and anxiety and chemical imbalances and all the stuff that plagues so many of us healed, whole. That is just as much good news as our bodies being healed. I think that's just an incredible promise of that. That is good news. And you might be thinking about that, but, but what about now? Like, what about that moment where I'm in the... the the waiting room, and I don't know what's going to happen next, or I'm sitting beside the bedside of a relative, and they're about to die. What happens to us when we die? Well, I just want you to know first that there's not much of an emphasis in the New Testament about this. There's just not. It doesn't put a big emphasis on this. But what we can infer from a few different passages here about this, we see first in Luke 23, Jesus is on the cross. You probably remember this. And the, the thief next to him says, you know, remember me when you don't come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? He says, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Meaning at the moment of death, this criminal, this criminal who just at this moment repented and put his faith in Jesus, that moment, that very day, he was in the loving presence of God. That is grace. That is beautiful. Paul also writes about this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul is inferring here that it, not just our, our resurrected bodies, which he is the one who wrote about this, but as we, before we get to that resurrection of the dead, we... As we die are in Christ, we are with God. We are in the loving, healing presence of God. The moment we close our eyes and open them back up, we are with Jesus. That's comfort. That is real, real comfort from when we are faced with death. It's good news. But what we see in, in, entirely in this, again, is that this is not the emphasis of what we talk about with our ultimate future in the New Testament. It's not even really the emphasis of what we see in the book of Revelation. N.T. Wright, who is one of my favorite scholars, he says, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. And this is true. It's literally true. It's not the end of the world. It is very important to know that we can spend moments with Jesus, but the end of the world is something so, so, so much bigger. Death is swallowed up in victory, we have had this resurrected life together, eternity, I'm so glad we'll not be floating around on a cloud. And, and another thing, like I, I've lead worship, I've led worship for many years, led for 15 years. I love singing and worshiping. It's one of my favorite things to do. But the thought that we just sing forever, I didn't want to tell anybody that I didn't really like that idea. Like, I can sing for a while. But I love that we get to walk and be in this renewed creation 
You see this picture of life together and wholeness with God. The restoration of all things. And it closes here in verse 5 here with this last verse we'll be looking at. It says, to him who is sitting on the throne, he says this, he says, he who's seated on the throne, I am, I'm making everything new. There's a difference here. I want you to know the difference here. It's not saying I am making all new things. He's saying I am making all things new. He's not saying that I will take and throw away everything that's irredeemable. He's saying, I am bringing about the newness of everything. Now, taking this in the context of first century church in Turkey that's being written to in the book of Revelation, who is in the throes of persecution, those five words, imagine hearing that, knowing that the next day if someone catches you, knows you're a Christian, they could beat you, they could kill your family, they could throw you to the lions. That's an incredible hope, knowing that there is no suffering, there is no pain that I cannot bear because at worst, at worst, I am with Jesus. At best, I know that what God is doing even in my suffering is bringing about the newness of this creation all over again. So when we invite people to Christ, you know, when we have what we called in church growing up the invitation where we would come up front and pray, and I just celebrated the 27th anniversary, I think, of me walking down the aisle of a little Baptist church and praying and receiving Christ for the first time. That was a big deal. When we invite people to follow Jesus, we're not just inviting them in light of this into a future reality. We're inviting them into a present, a very, very present hope, a very, very present truth. Dallas Willard says that the gospel is how you get into heaven before you die. If you want to go to heaven, the secret is, I love this, go now. It's already here. Eternity is not going to start later. It's been running for a long time. You can say this because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and his new creation has already begun to unfold in his resurrection, in new creation. This ultimate hope of the restoration of all things has already begun in Jesus. And we then are invited into this. So when I invite you, when we invite you to say, put your trust in Jesus Christ, we're not doing that just with the promise of what happens in the future. Now hear me, that's important. It is. But the invitation is to enter into that life and the here and now. And so I hope you hear this today. If you've not made that decision, if you're like me at first, and I just made that decision because I just wanted to not go to the other place. And that's why I walked down there. Maybe today's the first time you're hearing the invitation of Jesus into the heaven that can meet you in the here and the now. And that's not just important for our future as individuals, it's important for our community as a whole. You remember Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's he say? On earth as it is in heaven. Our lives as followers of Jesus are a sign post that, that point us to the future that awaits us together. So as we close today, the invitation and challenge is really if you have not stepped into that life with Jesus in the here and now, this is, 
This is the chance. This is the opportunity. This is the day of salvation, Scripture says. Not just to receive an afterlife, but receive a whole life in the here and now to receive Jesus here as the author of our life, giving him our story. But for us who are followers of Jesus today, I wanted to close with a bit of prophetic imagination, as Walter Brueggemann said, thinking through what it would look like to see this moving forward. I want to ask you, what are you longing right now to make Jesus, to see Jesus make new? What are you asking God to bring renewal in? What do you need to see the restoration of God's goodness in, in your life? Is, is it your marriage? Is it a broken relationship? Is it sickness or anxiety or fear? I don't know what that is for you, but I want to pray that just with our imaginations of what that could be for us in that as it is in heaven, in my marriage as it is in heaven, in my job as it is in heaven, in my sickness, anxieties, my fears, my failures as it is in heaven, in my parenting as it is in heaven. What is that for you that if you were aching right now for God to bring about his renewal and restoration, not just as a future reality, but as meeting us here in the present, what is that for you? I can't answer that question. But as we close today, I want us to just to bow our heads and close our eyes and just take a few moments of stillness in there. I would be willing to bet that in every single one of us, there is an ache for renewal. There is a longing for restoration. We can feel the tension of the already and the not yet. And so we pray, Lord, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in Lexington as it is in heaven, in my neighborhood as it is in heaven in my marriage, God, as it is in heaven. In my struggles, God, as it is in heaven. In my identity, God, as it is in heaven. In my regrets and my failures, God, as it is in heaven. In my search for purpose, God, as it is in heaven. Father, we invite you to give us the courage to pray big prayers. To know that heaven does not await us in the future, but that we can live into the heaven that awaits us in the here and now. Teach us like Jesus taught us, Lord, to live and to pray for heaven and earth to crash into one another for renewal to take place in our lives where we are longing for something new. Jesus, you promise us you're making everything new start here. Help us to have eyes to see, to grab hold of these things, to join you in your work of renewal and restoration in our lives. 
Give us that prophetic imagination. Give us that spirit-driven courage to step out and join your work of restoration in our lives. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus.